Hey, hi, hello. Uh, welcome to the Toto Podcast, Trials of the Apocalypse, where we, I don't know, what do we do here, really? Netflix and chill? Yeah, where we Netflix and chill. No. We kick names and we take ass. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. We we kick names and take ass here, mostly kicking names. Uh, I'm David, uh, the, the host of this show. Today I'm going to be a master of ceremonies as we play a new game. We're playing Pig Smoke. Uh, you've probably already seen that in the title of the episode, but in case you were wondering, that's what it is. That's what it's called. Uh, we're a show where we try different Powered by the Apocalypse games, and Pig Smoke is among that category. And today we're going to get our, our magical university professorship on. Uh, I'll explain the game in a little bit more detail in a minute, but first let me introduce my wonderful cast. Uh, today we have... I'm Riley. I use they, she pronouns, and I like bugs. That's true. I have many problems with bugs, and I've known Riley for a very long time, and we're still friends. <laughs> Family, in a way. <laughs> you seem a little sad to say that. Well, you've... I mean, if nothing else, I always know who to call on if I'm dealing with a, uh, an advanced spider situation. Yeah, who can save you from that one in the kitchen? <laughs> yeah, you're right. That was you. Thank you. I appreciate you. You're welcome. <laughs> Is that how you broke the stainless steel knife on the counter? <laughs> Oh, no, that's because I drop things. <laughs> it turns out uh, when you're a tall, a tall boy like myself and you are carrying a knife at height uh, and then trip and just yeet it across the kitchen. Uh, most blades can't survive that. <laughs> Rip. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway, also here with me. Hello, I'm Dempsey. I can no longer go by David because that name was taken from me many, many years ago. <laughs> And it continues that way to this day. <laughs> it's true. I use he, him pronouns, and I would like to now address the elephant in the room that all of you are probably wondering about. Why is this man wearing sunglasses? How did you not notice? I don't really know. But now that you have noticed, because it's the only prescription I have left. I also have a pair of prescription sunglasses, and there was a time where I broke my regular uh, glasses, and I worked an entire workday at an office on a computer uh, while wearing sunglasses, and so... I I understand that vibe. Yeah, Dempsey, I just assumed that you're like a rock star and that that's why like some kind of rock star, or maybe even a movie star, some kind of famous person wearing glasses that are of the sun variety for your coolness. I feel like that's the real reason you lost your name. It's like you've you've mm -hmm. rather than being David, which doesn't mean mm -hmm, anything, mm -hmm. you're Dempsey. So now you're like a sort of a share Madonna situation uh, where like you're you're down to one name, yeah. but it's like one that's recognizable, you know. That's true. I'll take some some solo coolness yeah. bestowed upon me. Yeah. I was wondering why I felt faint in your presence. Sweet mercy. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the effect that Dempsey has. Mm -hmm. Uh and also here with us is Hi, I'm Zach, pronounce he, him. Um, I am the harbinger of chaos. That's true. That's believable. What kind of chaos do you, do you bring? You'll have to wait and see. Oh, I guess that's true. I guess the chaos that he's brought today is this show. Uh, or that's, I guess, brought to you more by me. As I mentioned earlier, I'm David. I didn't uh, mention then I use primarily he, they pronouns. And uh, I'm very excited for this game. Uh, this is, as I mentioned earlier, a game of surreal, magical excitement in a mundane university setting uh, where we're going to be playing a bunch of arcane academics at the titular and premier magical university, Pig Smoke. 
And we're going to be trying desperately to conduct our research and make tenure in the face of an absurd and obstructionist bureaucracy. So, in the game's own words, I really liked how they worded this, there are a million terrible mistakes to be made in the fast-paced, cutthroat world of academia, and watching the characters make them is going to be both dramatic and hilarious. Uh, This game is going to have a very bouncing between funny and more uh, dark vibes. Uh, Not like grim dark particularly, Um, but if you've listened to our Brindlewood Bay game, it should capture some of the same energy of going to some sort of monstrous hellish places, but then also mostly being this lighter magical comedy about a bunch of people just trying to get their jobs done. Uh, In this setting, magic is only vaguely specified as something that can be studied and taught to others. Uh, All other details are left up to us at the table to emerge through play. Uh, In this setup, we are going to do some world building, though, in description of uh, our characters, uh, the dean, uh, the departments, and then a lot more is going to emerge uh, when we actually get to our gameplay episodes that will follow. Any questions or thoughts on Pig Smoke? Anything that you're excited about for this game before we get going? Magic is fun. Magic is fun. I'm excited to play with my big brother. Even yeah. though I'm older. Yeah. <laughs> but I am bigger, though. Yes. I do have that for You are bigger. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. my Alphonse. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, this, really, this is your first TTRPG, right? Or, like, recorded one, anyway? You've played a little bit of D&D, but... I've played, like, like half of a couple of sessions, yeah. technically. So, like, character building is, is what's familiar to me. Uh, playing it so far is a little foreign and definitely recording is extra foreign because I've never been recorded before. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, I think that's going to be really cool and fun to be a part of that experience for you. That's going to be cool. I'm excited. With my friends. Yay. Also, uh, so I work in a university and so it will be Mm -hmm. fun to see that play out in kind of this fantasy world. And of course, I realize there will be vast differences, or at least I hope to God that there are differences. <laughs> um, but it'll be kind of fun to apply that insight in in this setting. Yeah, it's the exact kind of similarities that make you say that you hope to God there are differences that I definitely want to be present, though. Oh, heavens. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Dems? I, too. Hope that there are stark differences between the real education world and this game. <laughs> For having taught through the entirety of the pandemic, Oof. as my introduction to being a teacher at the conclusion of year three here now, I am excited for where this goes and terrified for where this goes. I would also say that the synergy of the players seems really great so far. And I will say that I, I think the biggest fantasy of this game is going to be that most of the classes happen in person. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's talk a little bit more about the system and how it plays, and then we'll get into some of our world building and character building stuff in the second half of this setup. First off, let's talk a little bit just like what's going on with the book. Uh, in reading over it, uh, a really neat thing that caught my attention when I was reading it for the first time was... Most tabletop RPGs uh, in the first section of the book, they often have a sort of like, what is an RPG bit uh, that like introduces you to the concept if you're unfamiliar. 
What I really like about Pig Smoke is theirs is actually broken up into three sections. Uh, if you're new to role-playing games, if you're new to PBTA, and if you're familiar with PBTA. And each one has different content based on the expected knowledge level to how you answer each one of those questions. And what I especially liked about it was that it not only had it broken up like that so that you could just read the one that mattered to you, but also even in the most general case, rather than try to explain to you this really tough nebulous concept of like, what is a tabletop RPG? And like, that's a really hard thing to answer in any generalized fashion and still be accurate. Instead, they only really answer that question in the context of if you're coming to this not knowing what one is, what do you need to know in order to play this one? And so they just concentrate things in uh, in the context of playing pig smoke. Um, and I really liked that about it. I thought that was very cool. I think that that makes that section a lot more successful. And I hope that in general, more TTRPGs take that sort of approach to that topic, because I think it just rather than trying to spend your book explaining something that has nothing to do with what the game that you're trying to make necessarily, uh, just focusing in on that, I thought was really cool. In general, this one follows very heavily from PBTA stylings. Uh, what all players are capable of is defined in basic moves. Um, the characters have playbooks with playbook moves for their unique capabilities. And there are, of course, my uh, generally hidden, only to be revealed here, uh, Master of Ceremonies moves. Um, I am an MC once again. Nice. And dice rolling happens when moves are triggered. Uh, and they are handled in the normal way for PBTA. You roll two die six and add your relevant ability modifier. On a 10+, plus, it's a strong hit where you get exactly what you want. On a 7+, plus, it's a weak hit where you get what you want, but at a narrative cost. And a 6- minus is a miss, where the game lets me take the reins and make your life a lot more troublesome. Some successes will give you hold, uh, a nebulous currency that can be spent at the time or at a later time for specific effects related to that move. And this game also has the idea of advantage and disadvantage, which let you roll three dice and take either the higher or the lower of the two, uh, respectively, for the situation. There are only four abilities in Pig Smoke. Uh, these are just like your, your stats, if you're familiar with other games. In Pig Smoke, those are bureaucracy, charisma, research, and sorcery. Uh, generally speaking, bureaucracy is used primarily to extract resources from the university. Charisma covers interpersonal interaction and teaching students in class. Research is used to uncover new knowledge and write academic papers. And sorcery is used for casting spells. So that gives you like kind of the, the vibe of what kind of activities go on in this game, right? I really like uh, that having one of the core stats, one of the core abilities, be bureaucracy, really sets up that interacting with that is going to be a major part of the game, right? Uh, also similar to Ghost Lines or to The Watch, which we've played previously on the show, uh, there are split ideas of physical and uh, psychological damage. Um, this is a magical world where you're conducting magical research, and sometimes that will go awry. Uh, and in those circumstances, you might take some hurt of some kind. Um, this isn't a game like uh, Monster of the Week, which we just finished playing, or The Watch, which are kind of have some kind of violence often at the core of their activities. Instead, this is one where that happens very rarely, if at all. Uh, most dangers that are posed to you are the nature of some spell that has gotten out of hand or one that maybe is right in hand, but in someone else's hands. And harm is therefore a very quick track in this game. You, you go from not being injured at all to being hurt to being taken out if you get hurt again. Mm. Um, and... That means that violence is not really 
the 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 kind of action you want to take in the game right uh there are other means that you can use to push towards your ends and the game really forces you encourages you towards those however uh damage that you take certainly isn't the end uh medicine is a part of the game as well pig smoke's medical wing uh, is known to be able to cure anything absolutely anything did you get your arm cut off are you possessed are you dead doesn't matter we can heal you but it's definitely (laughs) like we can do it and you'll come back in maybe one piece. You'll you'll come back in a, a functioning piece of some kind. Uh, and there is certainly a little bit of a risk with being taken to, uh, I believe there's a name for the department. It's fun. Is it the infirmary or something? Uh, it's definitely, uh, maybe it's just calling it the medical wing. Oh, okay. Uh, but basically, if you go and get healed up here, you can get healed up for anything. But there will be some weirdness that comes with that. Nice. Um, so that's kind of a fun element of the game. Uh, yeah. That even though the harm track is very short, that how that gets explored uh, can then further the narrative in fun ways. Uh, the end is never the end. The end is loading, right? Mm. Um, so as well as harm, which is covers physical damage, uh, there's also burnout, which is a uh, actual tracker for psychological damage that you suffer at the hands of academia. Just being an academic, <laughs> you're going to deal with situations that will stress you, that will push you closer to a final sort of burnout. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just living every day. So this is, I would say, the primary form of damage in this game. Uh, harm, again, is like mostly to deal with the case of you getting hurt. Uh, whereas burnout, like you have a, a number of tick boxes. Uh, you have nine total burnout boxes. And as you progress further down the tracker, different things happen. When you fill in your third burnout box or shortly thereafter, uh, you're called into your department head's office for an informal chat. Oh, heavens. Uh, where they essentially dress you down for every mistake you've ever made, all under the guise of a concerned chat about your workload and mental health. <laughs> uh, when you fill in the sixth burnout box, uh, or soon thereafter, your case has been escalated to the dean, who now has you in an, an, a, a formal interview, uh, in which the dean also lays out all of your failures and other moments when you fell short of uh, perfection. No. Not again. <laughs> <laughs> Not again, but worse. Uh, and when you fill out your ninth burnout box, uh, you either retire, are fired, or quit. Uh, with mm. just enough energy left to do one last brilliant, spiteful thing. I love how the book words that. Uh, but that is essentially the the end of your character, then, if you fill up all your burnout. Oof. Yeah. But uh, just as you can accumulate burnout, it is also something that you can recover. So... Your character is going to have a fulfillment criterion, and by satisfying your fulfillment criterion, what makes you feel a sense of identity and a sense of place in the world of academia, uh, or just something that you enjoy doing, that will help you recover from burnout. It's a little bit uh, differently structured, but it's comparable to like the cozy move in Brindlewood Bay, where that's how you shed your conditions is by getting together and doing the activity that you most care about. That's like your, your little guilty pleasure. So yeah, harm, burnout, those are the bad things that can happen in the game. And on the flip side, there are also good things that can happen in the game. Uh, As you progress in playing it, you have what is called your academic improvement plan, uh, which is just your advancement track, uh, as it's known in any other TTRPG, uh, where whenever you teach or publish, you can uh, mark experience and you have an experience tracker that whenever you reach five, you get a little benefit. And there's a series of advances there. We're not going to cover all of those because... And I say this very hesitantly, 
we probably will not advance a character in this game. Oh, well. hey, I've heard that somewhere before. Yeah. Yeah. If this is your first of our arcs that you're listening to, I'm usually wrong about that. But this time he has the bureaucracy of academia on his side, so... It's true. Right. <laughs> I've got the power of bureaucracy. And anime. <laughs> and by those powers combined, I cannot be stopped. Uh, you can take an advancement if we get there from a series of advancements. They're all quite fun stuff. Uh, this is actually this is another way to uh, wipe your burnout. Actually, one of those options is recover all burnout boxes. So mm. uh, there is another way that you can recover from that if need be. Mm. So that's like some of the the broad strokes, some of the bones that underline the game. Uh, but what is the game itself? That in many ways is influenced by the basic moves. That's like what you do in the game, right? What you often roll dice for. There are also playbook specific moves, but we'll get to that when we get to your characters. Uh, for now, let's talk for a minute about the basic moves. I'm just going to go through these in series. If you have any questions as we go along, feel free to ask them. Mm -hmm. uh, this is going to be our main explanation of these. And then, of course, when we play the game, we'll review or revisit anything necessary as we, as we go through it as well. But um, one of them is Delve Deeper. Uh, when you spend time poring over something or plumbing its secrets, roll plus research. On a 10 plus, ask three questions from the list below. On a seven to nine, ask one. And your questions there are, what's the history here? Uh, who do I know who might have a vested interest in this? What sort of people uh, that I don't know might have a vested interest in this? What here is not as it appears to be? What could I use this for? Um, this is fairly similar to Investigate a Mystery and Monster of the Week, which we just finished playing. Um, so you can have that as a comparison. But uh, essentially, if you look into something or try to understand how something works or try to understand what's involved in the situation, uh, then you'll roll delve deeper and you'll research it. And then based on the result, you'll get to ask certain questions uh, of me, the MC. And that might be a direct answer or it might be if you're, you know, asking these questions as a part of a conversation uh, in a meta way, then you'll maybe get an answer in that conversation from whoever you're speaking with. But either way, you'll get an answer to your questions. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Cool. Another one of the basic moves is publish. When a research track is full, you can choose to publish your work. If you do, come up with a suitably academic title for the paper you've written and role plus research. On a 10 plus, everyone is happy. The research is good and all co-authors can mark experience. On a 7 to 9, all co-authors still mark experience, but the MC can choose uh, one of the following. And it's someone doesn't like your research and now it's personal. You've made an enemy. Uh, the head of department is jealous and cuts your funding. Uh, take ongoing disadvantage to all research roles until you somehow soothe their ego. The dean reminds you, this is a teaching university. You must teach at least one class before you can delve deeper or publish again. <laughs> uh, or it's a low quality journal and your reputation suffers. Take disadvantage on your next schmooze role. So I suggest a house rule that all academic papers that we come up with a title for have to have at least one colon in the title. Because every academic paper I've ever seen has at least one colon in it, sometimes two. You've seen titles with multiple colons? I have made promotional material for papers and events that have multiple colons in them. Oh, no. <laughs> Try being the marketing guy for that. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, but uh, so at least part of your player character's job uh, is advancing knowledge in their field. And you get to mark experience whenever you publish a paper, uh, which we mentioned earlier, 
But whenever your player is going to be conducting research, basically you select a research topic, and that could be anything magical within your domain of expertise, and you write it down with a track of six boxes. And then you can have as many research topics as you like, but you can only uncover new topics through the use of moves, such as Delve Deeper. And you fill in research tracks usually with Delve Deeper. And apparently there are other ways as well. Um, some is like co-authoring with people, or you can also participate with that with uh, other moves, some of the playbook moves as well. So there are options there to help you research. But conducting research will probably be a part of your goals, or it might be something that you do in the course of the game. So uh, in addition to publish, uh, there's also schmooze, uh, which is when you tell an NPC what you think they want to hear, roll plus charisma. And on a 10 plus, they'll do something simple for you or something big and complex if you give them a payment, favor, or bribe. Um, Now, it's important to note that this schmooze is different from uh, interacting with bureaucracy, noting that you're, you're rolling plus charisma here. You're not rolling plus bureaucracy. This isn't for getting something from an institution or the institution, as it might be. This is for getting more information or getting something, some kind of action from a, uh, another NPC directly. So if you have a, a friend or coworker who you want to convince to do something for you that's not like involved in some way above or beyond your accessing resources from the school, um, then that's the way that you'll interact with those. Kind of on the flip side of that, if that's like if you want to convince someone to do something for you. There's also uh, another kind of com- compulsion in the same plus charisma category, uh, and that's called scathe. When you give someone a piece of your mind, roll plus charisma. On a 10 plus, they choose one. Cringe or cower. Flee your presence. Give you something they think you want. And on a 7 to 9, the target of your ire still has to choose one, but someone important witnesses or learns of your rudeness. They are not pleased. And if you try scathe with someone with leverage or authority over you, you do so with disadvantage. So it's harder to scathe someone or shame someone who's above you. I have a question about that. Yeah, hit me up. Which one would be crying, schmooze or scathe? (laughs) Well, what do you mean? uh, Who's crying in that situation? Me. (laughs) (laughs) If I use crocodile tears against them. Oh, okay. Then that's definitely a schmooze. Gotcha. You're... Yeah, so like when you tell an NPC what you think they want to hear. So in that case, when when you think they want to see you cry or you think that they don't want to see you cry, uh, then that sounds like a schmooze to me to try to cry your way out of something or into something, depending. Noted. (laughs) Uh, Scathe is when you're just real mean to someone. Just real mean. (laughs) Uh, That'll be that'll be a scathe. Uh, There's also teaching. Uh, there's teaching in this game, and there's actually something I want to talk about related to this uh, as we explore this move. But this is uh, when you teach a lecture or a seminar, roll plus charisma. On a 10 plus, everything goes according to plan, and you can mark experience. On a 7 to 9, still mark experience, but one of your students will visit your office with a complicated or difficult question. And if you don't sort them out, the resulting stress or complaints will cause you to mark a burnout box. Uh, and then on a failure, you're going to be marking burnout, and I'll get to make a move, of course. Hmm. So something with teaching that I think is really interesting in this game, and this is something that I don't think we're going to lean into too heavily, um, but rules as written or setting as written, students are kind of antagonists to you. Um, generally speaking, your, your goals uh, as a player character are to advance your research uh, and like get tenure and like secure your place in, in academia at the university. But 
students are more of a hassle than anything else. They aren't like your reason for the job. Preach. <laughs> in a in a teaching centric role, Dempsey, that concerns me. <laughs> so these aren't government issued workers or anything. No, they aren't. I can Sorry. just give them my research, and if they figure it out, I'll take the credit for it. I mean, no, that's that's the exact mindset this game asks you to have. Uh, what I'm going to say is that uh, I'm not going to be casting students in too negative a light from the MC's chair just because I've been a student at a university and I know that most of them are just trying their best as well. Doubtful. And, uh, <laughs> well, some of them are trying their best. <laughs> uh, this is why I was very tempted to go with the git. Yeah. I'm just, just saying. But this game in general, students will be an obstacle to you. They are very rarely your pleasure or your solution. Hmm. Um, they are generally uh, some sort of problem for you. So why are you making a face, Stems? <laughs> <laughs> he just lowered his sunglasses and looked at me meaningfully. I, you'll, you'll understand. Everything can be taken wrongly, Dempsey. Everything can be taken in a different direction. We just came from a game where that's all that happened. <laughs> uh, but teaching is going to be something that you'll need to do on occasion. Uh, it's, as mentioned earlier, it's one of the ways you can mark experience. But also it comes with its own risks uh, as it can help you. Uh, it can push you further down the burnout track as well. So be aware of that. Uh, oh, this is a fun one. So let's say you need something, right? You're here at this university. You're trying to conduct your research. Uh, you've got things that you need in order to do it. Uh, or maybe you're trying to schmooze over someone from another department. You need to get a bargaining chip in your uh, you know, back pocket. So you like need to like maybe throw an event for them or uh, do something to help them with their research. Well, in order to do that, you'll probably need a purchase order, which is another move. Uh, when you fill in a purchase order for something, roll plus bureaucracy. On a 10 plus, all three. On a 7 to 9, choose two. And the options are you don't need to offer anything in exchange. You get exactly what you asked for. You get it right now. So on a miss, you don't get it. Uh, but on a seven to nine, what I like is that you choose two of these things, which means the third one is inevitably what your complication is. So either you will need to offer something in exchange, you don't get exactly what you asked for, or you don't get it when you need it. You don't get it right now. <laughs> I really like ones where you choose which consequences you don't have to deal with, because mm -hmm. then it's more explicit about what your possibilities are, right? Yes. I like that a lot. Uh, of everything in this uh, game, I think that's my favorite mechanic. It's the most accurate by far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another element, which this is something that, given my inclinations to, to how I want to run this, this will probably pop up a lot. Uh, red tape is another move. Uh, when you interact with Pig Smoke's nightmarish bureaucracy, say what you're trying to do. Deflect attention, compel the school to provide a service, or crush your enemies. And roll plus bureaucracy. On a 10 plus, you get what you want. On a 7 to 9, you still get what you want, but pick one. It'll be time consuming, uh, which means that it's something that you can, can only be done in one week. Uh, or can only be done once a week, rather. Um, you'll need to do something for someone else in return. Or the stress causes you to mark burnout. I'm interested to see how much burnout you all collect across the course of this one shot. <laughs> what do we start at? I'm going to start you at no burnout, unless <laughs> something from your background indicates maybe we should start you higher. Um, I feel like starting at eight would make things fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when are we recording? Are we recording in 
the beginning of the semester? We haven't decided yet. We'll get there. Well, we haven't we haven't even gotten to our setting or any of that yet. Gosh, Dempsey, you're jumping ahead. We're not even done talking about the moves. <laughs> I wasn't even good at track. Stop being funny. <laughs> Stop being funny. <laughs> uh, so, um, so in addition to your bureaucratic nightmares, uh, there's also your sorcery nightmares. Uh, you can cast a spell uh, when you use your magic to solve a problem or remove an obstacle. You roll plus sorcery. Um, if it's the type of magic you're working in uh, that's outside of your uh, areas of expertise, you're going to roll at disadvantage. Uh, on a hit, the magic works and the problem is solved. Uh, on a 10+, plus, you choose one unintended consequence. On a 7 to 9, choose two. Uh, what I like about doing that that way is that even when you succeed, if you use magic, there will always be an unintended consequence. It's just a matter of the severity mm. or or the diversity of it. The law of equivalent exchange. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, like, the ex- I love the example they have here. Uh, no problem. Magic destroyed my neighbor's garage. Magic will replace my neighbor's garage. MC. That's not quite within the life and death area of expertise, though. Uh, character. Yeah, oh, I know. There's a graveyard down the street. Plenty of unpaid manual labor there for an experienced necromancer like myself. <laughs> Rolls sorcery. Gets an eight. Well, the obvious problem is that zombies don't know how to build garages. <laughs> so the solution is going to look okay, but it's going to fall down the next time there's a strong wind or something. <laughs> not sure about the other one. <laughs> Uh, and I just I like that I situation that. as an example. Yeah. yeah, I also just like I like the gumption of uh, magic destroyed my neighbor's garage. Magic will replace my neighbor's garage. <laughs> uh, that's the spirit I like to see. That's right. My love trait because undeniable. <laughs> so uh, adventuring is another basic move. Uh, when you risk physical danger, say what you're trying to achieve and roll plus nothing. Uh, on a 10 plus, choose two. On a seven to nine, choose one. You don't get hurt. You come out of it looking good. You get whatever it is you were after. Um, adventuring is always risky. Uh, this is essentially your uh, your catch-all for doing something dangerous. And this is emphasizing that pursuing these routes is something you can do in this game, but it's not something that's going to come easy to you, and it's not something that's going to be terribly safe for your character. So... Be aware of that when putting yourself into direct harm or the way of in, in real harm's way. Another one of the. See, you said earlier, Zach, that the most realistic one was uh, like uh, purchase orders. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think this one is the most like real to the like real campus life. Uh, this one is called a small incestuous world. Uh, when you eat or drink in a public place on campus, roll plus nothing. And on a 10 plus, choose one. You run into someone unexpected. You get wind of some news which will affect your department. You see two other faculty members doing something out of the ordinary. Uh, And on a 7 to 9, you choose one of these instead. You run into someone you'd really rather have avoided. You catch wind of some bad news that will affect your department. And you see two other faculty members doing something highly dubious, and you are implicated or drawn in. And on a 6 minus, it's even worse. But like, just like you going out, having an eat or drink, Minding your own business immediately resulting in something happening or like running into somebody, you know, or somebody you'd rather not see or mm-hmm. that's just like that is academic campus life right there. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Everyone knows everyone. Everyone is everywhere at all times. True. I'm suddenly getting a stark reminder of how good the rolling was during Brendlewood Bay. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, you might have burned through all your luck. We'll see. Yeah, so maybe you are already on eight burnout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From a previous life. 
Uh, and as mentioned earlier, there is a way to get treated for your medical conditions. There's a move called hospital hospitality. Uh, when you're treated in the medical wing, roll plus nothing. On a 10 plus, you're back to your old self again, like nothing happened. And on a 7 to 9, you're more or less okay, but you choose one of the complications. And on the miss, the MC will choose at least one of the above complications, plus any other consequences they dream up. Uh, and there's a fine list here, but basically it's all of them are you're fine, but you've got a strange cosmetic mutation, or you owe someone a favor for helping fix you up, or you weren't discharged, you escaped, and the orderlies are coming for you. <laughs> uh, or you're not fine, you're still hurt, and the medical wing cannot help you further, you'll have to heal the old-fashioned way. Um, and I interpret that less as the medical wing cannot help you further, and more something came up and like they don't have time for you or something instead. <laughs> Because the way they've described the medical wing, I like the idea that like, oh, they can fix just about anything, but like takes time, takes effort. They need to have the manpower for it, you know, that sort of thing. I'd also like to think that if you're a frequent customer or something at a certain point, they're just like <laughs> they set a threshold for what they'll fix on you. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Like, yeah, you're in here so often. It's like we've actually learned all we can from experimenting on your body. So like. <laughs> How about you just let your leg heal on its own, huh? <laughs> uh, there's a really fun mechanic that this game has that I think really breaks the mold from a lot of PBTA games, uh, and that's the option of teaching assistance. So uh, in your playbook, you can select various things to configure how exactly your character you know, fits within that archetype. Um, but one of the things that you can choose for yourself as an option is to gain a teaching assistant. Um, and TAs are kind of player characters, kind of NPCs. Um, if you're interacting with them while your main character is on screen, then I, as the MC, play them, uh, fitting within the sort of confines of how you've established that character. But then you can send your TA to go and do things, and you then play your TA for those scenes. Uh, so you can essentially have more than one active character in the course of a game. I don't know if everybody's totally done prepping their characters and stuff, but does anyone have a TA? Is that something that we're going to experience in this game? I do. You get a TA? Anyone else have a TA? I do not. I believe so. You do? I Dem believe so. Okay, so Demps and Riley will both have TAs. So My question about that uh -huh. is, I don't know which one is going to be my TA because I have two options. Oh, interesting. We'll, yeah. we'll get the character yeah. creation and then we'll explore that further. Um, so it looks like we will be get to get some time experiencing that. Um, so yeah, uh, look forward to that. Um, they are slightly different than a player character. You can read about that in more detail in the pig smoke book. It's on like page 18 looks like, but essentially they're PC lights, but you can actually take over them and, and operate as them, uh, in scenes and stuff, which I think is really cool. It's very rare. Um, at least in the games that I've read over that you have the opportunity baked into the system to play multiple characters. I think that's really cool. So that was all of our basic moves. Uh, that's the, the little note about TAs. So that brings us around then to the playbooks, um, which means I think it's time to do our character creation. Hello, it's your MC, David, here. Our pig smoke setup is about to get to the juicy bits. So, of course, I'm here to interrupt it. For all good reasons, I promise. I'm here to tell you about another great podcast you can check out once you finish our episode today. If you like Pokemon or general unhinged tabletop shenanigans, you might want to give a listen to Pokemon Legacy. 
They're an actual play podcast set in a homebrew Pokemon region, and their first season uses a modified version of Fate Core, which you may have seen me tweet about once or twice before. This podcast was very nearly a Fate one, but that's a chat for another day. I have a deep love for the Pokemon games, shows, and universe, and the crew for Pokemon Legacy really make all the best points shine and all the worst points hilarious. Their promo will run at the end of the episode, and you'll quickly see what I mean there. If you're looking for more of us, look no further than our Twitter, at TOTA Podcast, that's T-O-T-A Podcast, our channel on the Cast Junkie Discord server, or our Patreon, all linked in the show notes below. Thank you for joining us for the Pig Smoke setup. This game really goes places right out of the gate, so I hope you'll join us July 6th for the kickoff of our Magical Academia adventure. Talk to you then. Bye-bye. Um, I'll summarize some of the other playbooks here before, but first, which ones are you all going to be using so that I don't talk about those? You're going to be playing, Riley, what playbook? I'm going to be playing the Rockstar. The Rockstar? Okay. You're going to be the Rockstar. You are the fake. The fake. And Zach? I am the networker. The networker. Okay, yes. cool. What's re- <laughs> that one's so funny to me because it is. that's just who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, uh, uh, Zach and I attended university together and I used to say that, uh, between him and another friend of mine, they knew the entirety of everyone on campus True. and they just knew, they just knew different spheres. But if you put the two of them in a room together, you could like find out anything you needed to know about anyone on campus. Exactly. It, he's not exaggerating. I'm, I'm really not. It was crazy. <laughs> um, Anyway, so they're going to be playing those playbooks. We're going to hear about more of them in a second. Uh, first, I'm going to read over some of the other ones. Um, so there is the Git, uh, G-I-T, uh, who specializes in dealing with students by intimidating them into submission, advancing up the tenure track through diligent research and making it clear to anyone in their classes that feedback forms are totally anonymous. And on the off chance they somehow did find out who gave them a bad write-up, there's no way they'd bear a grudge and ruin that student's future. So they're a real, real, real mean character. Uh, no one's playing that today. Uh, we've got the networker, which we'll get to later. we got the politician. Uh, if you want to get ahead, you've got to play the game, the right game. Politician is a careerist with one eye firmly on their tenure, and they want to play the bureaucracy and the greater structure of the university to get exactly what they want. They know who holds the keys to power, which forms permit which behaviors, and how to secure their gains against competitors. So, real rise the ranks type. We've got the slacker. No one ever got anywhere by working hard. Uh, is what it says on the tin. Uh, I like an attitude they have. Four twenty, smoke weed every day. <laughs> uh, and then there's the albatross, which is one that I really like. Uh, what's good for them is good for me. What's bad for them is also good for me. <laughs> the albatross is one of those unspeakably annoying people who seem to succeed entirely by clinging to the coattails of others. <laughs> I've just I've worked in groups with this person before. <laughs> Uh, for sure. Uh, there's the workhorse, um, which kind of is what it says on the tin, specializing in getting things done. Work hard, burn the midnight oil, etc. Uh, and that's all the playbooks other than the ones that our characters are playing. Um, so now we're going to move into character creation. Uh, and as we get into character creation, there's actually going to be two parts to the playbooks. Because in addition to each individual character's playbooks, which are unique, There are also a series of departments at the university which serve as their own additional playbooks that 
allow for a really cool mixing and matching with this game. Um, so like, even if, uh, I generally, when running PBTA, I tend to stick to the Apocalypse World philosophy of there's only one of every playbook, max. So I wouldn't generally allow multiples of the same one anyway. Um, but for a campaign, and with, the, with this game, I might be inclined to do that because so long as they're part of different departments, they're going to be very different characters because uh, having the department playbooks really influences what kind of character yours is. So I'm excited to dig into some of that as we get into here uh, to character development. But yeah, we've explained all the basics of the game. Uh, let's pivot and get into what fun people you all are bringing to it. Uh, does anyone want to go first? I'm pretty cool with going first since I already thought of my stuff. Yeah, I know you've done a fair amount of work on this subject, so pipe into the mic. Hit us up. What do you got? Can you give me a list of things that I would be talking about? Yeah, let's start with what's your name and what's your playbooks, and then we'll get into other details. Okay. My name is Maya Bright. Um, my playbook is going to be the rock star, and I'm in the Department of Life and Death. Excellent. Uh, we have a, a rock star of life and death. Uh, tell us a little bit about. <laughs> tell us a little bit about the rock star. What's what's going on with that playbook? Uh, the rock star is one of those like uh, up and coming kind of character. They're really into what they do, and it kind of comes off as arrogant because they they do know a lot, and the way they talk is like slightly egotistical. Mm -hmm. uh, but she doesn't really mean anything by it it's just relaying a lot of information a lot all the time constantly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not her fault she's completely obsessed with her research but uh with the amount of research that she does she's not so much looked on by peers as a very good person mm. because they think she's like all that in a bag of chips and like hot-headed and stuff yeah um so she doesn't have a lot of friends because of that but she is uh rewarded by other professors and like headmasters and the council and stuff like that because she does what she preaches she gets the research done yeah she gets the job done it's just she also can't shut up about it <laughs> <laughs> uh so those that's your playbook uh your department is the department of life and death uh which focuses on necromancy i imagine yes it do Ooh. It is a little more than just necromancy. It just happens to be a part of it. Gotcha. Um, the main expertise is like necromancy, also uh, medium type influences. Mm -hmm. So like oh, yeah. talking and interacting with spirits. Yeah. Um, she also dabbles a little bit in like dark art stuff and also healing. Gotcha. Oh, cool. I like that they wrapped up healing with like the necromantic school because yeah, it wouldn't be nearly as extensive as the medical wing, but mm -hmm. she does use that from time to time and uses their help with a lot of projects. That's awesome. I like that. Uh, so then that's your name. Those are your playbooks. You are Maya. Maya Bright, right? Maya Bright. Maya Bright. Uh, so Maya Bright, what's what are you what's your look uh, and how's your classroom? What are what are some of those details? My look is actually a little bit detailed. Uh, so pardon me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got <laughs> I've got bubblegum pink hair mm. that uh, goes all the way down my back and is also up in space buns. Oh, yeah. Uh, because Wait, it's both all the way down your back and also up in yeah, space buns? Yeah, like half of it's gathered in a oh, space bun. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, 
And I stick like pencils and pens and mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff up there because um, I don't have that many hands, you know. Yeah. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta keep track of my stuff. Um, they're tied up in little white bows around the space buns just because it's cute and I want to do it. My eyes are uh, coal black, which is a very stark against the pink of my hair. So it's a little off-putting to some people. Uh, sometimes they look dead even. Mm-hmm. Or spacing out, but no, I'm definitely present. Is that a natural thing, or do you think that's a consequence of some of the magic you've studied? I believe it's a consequence, yes. Mm. Um, my outfit is a pale yellow sundress, and I wear a lavender jean jacket with like a bunch of different patches and like band names on there. Huh. Just random stuff. Like one of them's just an alien head and a UFO. Nice. Uh, just random patches. I also wear a uh, a leather choker with a heart locket in it, and the heart locket contains a spirit. Oh, cool. I just carry one around for emergency purposes. Oh. Is that a <laughs> is that a formal item, or is that just uh, in the general like stuff category in this game? Just general, just general stuff. Yeah, something I didn't talk about uh, a little like a little bit earlier is that the stuff you have as defined in the game is uh, mostly about narrative positioning and not like any particular bonus or something like that. But like since, yeah, you have a little spirit on your locket around your neck that could be used in some narrative positioning um, or for like what you what you could do in a scene or something. So, yeah, that's really cool. I like that. If you want to come to my class, I teach it in entrapment. <laughs> Where? <laughs> entrapment. Where's entrapment? It's just a, a door on the right down the hall. A couple blocks. Yeah. It's a big school. Yeah. <laughs> so so I'm guessing that like when students are enrolled in that class, they can't withdraw from the class. They're just Oh, absolutely entrapped. not. Okay, good. <laughs> First rule about entrapment class. You cannot leave entrapment class. <laughs> uh the rest of me, I wear uh knee socks that are a stark white just because mm. it's really cute with my dress. And uh, a lavender-colored boots with Velcro straps because they kept getting untied, and I was getting really annoyed with it and tripping over myself. So I got Velcro instead. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I always carry like a small backpack with me that has uh, like crocheted white wings on it, so it looks kawaii. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just very cutesy all around. Love it. Nice. Love how those characters coming together. Um, what's your fulfillment criterion? Uh, my fulfillment is, uh, in necromancy. Um, so if I don't have time to do something, which I often don't, Mm -hmm. uh, or if something is, uh, below what I believe to be my priority level, Mm -hmm. I just make something else do it. (laughs) So interesting. So as a, as a, as a machination. Um, fulfillment criterion is uh, how you recover from burnout. So how you recover from burnout is by <laughs> making... I just shirk it onto something else. Okay, yeah. You're like, oh, wow. You can really... deal with it while I have a sit. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Okay, cool. Thanks. Uh, and that's taken from your department playbook? Yeah. Cool, awesome. That's very cool. Uh, what are your ability scores? My abilities. So I wasn't sure if I had to use like one of each or like just... Uh, kind of make it up. Yeah, or? so you get to use a stat block of plus two, plus one, zero, minus one. And you can apply those to any of them. Gotcha. Uh, I have a zero in bureaucracy. I just kind of 
get what I'm given. Uh, I have a negative one in charisma because no one really wants to talk to me and I don't know why. Huh. <laughs> um, I have a plus one in research. I am uh, pretty darn good at what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's why I came to the university at all, right? I was recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a plus two in sorcery because I'm very good at what I do. <laughs> You're very good at the magic end. Love oh, that. Yeah. Uh, what are your three starting moves? Uh, well, two of these, those can be from either of your two playbooks and one needs to be from the other one. Okay. Um, that was a little confusing for me. I wasn't sure if what the thing is considered my bonus free move is publish or perish. Uh, so that doesn't count towards this count. It does not count. Nope. That's a free one. You just get, (laughs) that's one you just get by default. Does not count against. Uh, let's see. But can you actually read that one off for us first? I would love to. Uh, publish or perish. When you are the author or co-author of a successfully published paper, you hold one. When one of your superiors tries to discipline you, you can spend it to get away with, at worst, a slap on the wrist. Hmm. So it, it basically comes down to I'm good enough at what I do and I'm recognized for my talent. But you can get away with it. Even if I like maybe mess around a little bit. Or I get into some shenanigans, they're going to keep me on board because uh, they need me for stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, they know that I can get what I need done. They just don't like it when I fool around. Yeah. I like that. That's very cool. Uh, what else do you got? I do a lot of, I do a lot of fooling. <laughs> uh, I, have, I have applied theory. And that is when you cast a spell, you can spend from the publisher parish after the roll to bump up your success by one category. Mm. Um, so if I'm like maybe not doing so well on something, I can cast a spell to make myself better at it by just a little bit. Mm. Um, and that's just by very quickly applying a theory that maybe this works, I guess. Let's <laughs> see. And yeah. then, oh, I guess it does. It, it sounds like if you've published about something, then you can like apply what you learned there to a new thing to upgrade the success of it. Yeah. I like that. It's Domino's, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually DiGiorno, but. <laughs> you went there. Uh, that means I can actually do this one, too, because I, I kind of wanted to do it anyway. Uh, my second move, then, is trailblazing. Uh, and trailblazing is I can spend a hold to immediately start a new research topic. So I can have several going at once. Oh, awesome. And right. all I got to do is uh, write them down. <laughs> that That's what organization is, right? Yeah. It's keeping a list. Yeah. Cool. Well, it is. Cool. <laughs> and if you check it twice, you're Santa. That's right. <laughs> See, there you go. Just getting the reputation going on there. Making a list. Uh <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, is that your your last playbook move, or do you have one more? Uh, my one more move. My uh, third move is Lich. Uh, oh. <laughs> um. So I am genetically modified. My body is not what it used to be, and so it has been empowered by runes and magic. Ooh. So I am actually um, invulnerable to a lot of harm because I don't have a lot of my nerves anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you could say my nerves are shot. 
uh, <laughs> I my brain is fully functioning, so mm-hmm. I can take a, a lot of psychological yeah. kind of damage. Still suffer from burnout. Yeah, but physical harm is a lot harder to come by because I don't feel it a lot of the time because mm-hmm. um, there's no sensory. But there can be something that will debilitate my body, and I will definitely feel that. Like if I lose like the bottom half of my torso. Oh, okay. And if it's just gone, I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> this is a problem. <laughs> Uh, reading into that a little bit. So is it just, it takes more damage to harm you or is it a like kryptonite situation where it needs something special or? From what I read, it's a kryptonite situation. Okay. But I would even just give myself double boxes, honestly. Okay. If if it takes like two hits to get harmed, two more to get hurt and two more to get down. How does it describe it? It describes it as... You are now invulnerable to most sources of harm, although you can still be hurt by magic, certain occult rituals, and massive overkill from mundane sources. So if my magic backfires, that'll definitely hurt me. So so basically, someone could like stab you and you just shrug it off. It would take getting hit by a bus for you to get hurt. <laughs> I would be a lot more upset if I were actually stabbed because now I have to replace my organ. Like, what the hell? <laughs> Dude, do you realize how long it took me to find that specific organ? I love that. <laughs> it's like not you. <laughs> how long it took me to find that organ? Gosh. Now I got to waste my time going to find a new one or like ordering from the hospital. I got a road. really good deal on this. Yeah. <laughs> I got to be put back on the wait list. <laughs> I, I finally have a good high quality liver and you just stab it. <laughs> now I can't drink. <laughs> okay, cool. I love that. Uh that's all of your details for now, right? Yes. All right, cool. We'll save our questions and your department information in a minute. Uh for now, Zach, how are you ready? You good? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so my character is named Liam Webb. His pronouns are he him. Uh and his look is khakis and dust. Um, <laughs> Wait, as, pause. Yes. Pause. Please elaborate. <laughs> khakis and dust. Khakis and dust. From so, peanuts. like, think, like, uh, in the movie Atlantis, The Lost Empire, uh, Milo, uh-huh. yeah. uh, basically. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. That, that, basically. Okay. Oh, uh, cool. I love yeah. Milo. He's great. Right. Right. So, his playbooks are The Networker. And he is in the Department of Artifacts and Relics, which also oh, so he is Milo. <laughs> basically makes him more Milo. Uh, so, except Milo, like, wouldn't be the networker. He's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so setting that aside, Liam, Liam Webb, my character, uh, has a classroom uh, that is in the shadow of a giant black swan statue. Uh, and his fulfillment criterion is dusty so he regains one point of burnout (laughs) when he complicates his life by refusing to use something new or innovative excellent Uh, as a member of the department of artifacts and relics he uses foci which are kind of these artifacts of sorts to help him cast magic and they are three in number. They are as follows. The first foci is a small, ancient, leather-bound book 
in a language that Liam does not understand. The function of this foci is to learn about something. The target of this foci is everybody that I can see except for myself. And the drawback is that this book talks, but I wish that it did not talk. <laughs> foci, foci number two is an ancient runed dagger in a leather sheath, uh, the leather of which matches the leather on the book. The runes match too. Got to accessorize <laughs> here. The function is to harm, as one would expect. The target is anyone or anything touching the dagger. And the drawback is that it talks, but I wish that it didn't. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> the third foca. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got a guess about this, but I'll wait. I'll okay. wait. <laughs> Our ancient glasses with runes on the earpieces, which read warbyparker.com, in the same in, <laughs> in the same incomprehensible runes as the dagger in the book. Yes. Liam, Liam does not need glasses. Hmm. The function is to enhance. The target is denizens of another plane. And the drawback is that they talk, but I wish they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he has the following scores. Bureaucracy, zero. Wait, I'm sorry. Okay. Before we move on, before we move yes. on, I have to... Can we explain just a little bit, explore just a little bit more what you mean by the with the glasses? Yes. Where their function is to enhance and their Correct. target is what? Denizens of another plane. So what does what does the enhancement mean? What does that mean in this context? I'm excited to find out. Okay. All right. We'll come back. To that. <laughs> we'll come back to that then. All right. Continue. All right. Oh, no. So uh, my scores or Liam's scores. Mm -hmm. Bureaucracy negative one. Charisma two. Research zero. Sorcery one. Excellent. As part of the Department of Artifacts and Relics, like I have a curse. Should I talk about that here or should we come back to it later? Oh, uh, is that is that in the questions it's, section or is that? It's as part of the look. Oh, then yeah, give it now. Which is weird. So like khakis <laughs> and dust is his look. Uh -huh. And he's the bearer of at least one curse. His curse is that everyone wants to be his friend, but he's an introvert. <laughs> so, so, like, he doesn't go out and try to find these people. They find him. And so he oh, is a networker by accident, which is my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, uh, and then what are your starting moves? So, my moves. Who are all these people? With 24 hours notice, I can arrange for about 100 people, vague acquaintances, friends of friends of friends, randoms from social media, to converge mm -hmm. on a given spot at a given time. Once uh, there, they will hang around for a few minutes or perform a brief flash mob-like activity, then disperse unless there is something else going on to hold their interest. Okay, okay. What else? Other moves are helpful. You can accumulate uh, favors in advance by doing good deeds for people and then use these favors to pay for the schmooze red tape mm -hmm. and purchase order moves. 
you can hold at most one favor per person, which is why he can get away with a negative one bureaucracy score. Yeah. Um, he can rely on his charisma to get those. Exactly. Numbers. Like he just knows people. Um, other things. Uh, so active social life, um, which is time consuming. Uh, when you spend every night this week socializing, uh, roll plus charisma. On a plus 10, uh, you will meet a friend of a friend who just happens to be able to offer a significant assistance with a problem that you're having. On a 7 through 9, you either meet a friend of a friend with a useful skill set that you don't need right now, or you meet someone with a perfect skill set right, for right now, uh, but who's a real asshole. <laughs> <laughs> My third one is cover for me, question mark, uh, whereby I can schmooze someone <laughs> just by question flat out. Yeah, question mark. Uh, so I can schmooze someone by just flat out asking them for a favor. Uh, if I do this, it can only be a small favor. I can't like roll 10 plus to get a big favor out of them. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. But basically, you instead of having to to like lay some narrative framework there to get them, you can just ask them and they'll, because of your raw charisma. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Except it's only small favors, so I can't get anything. Yeah, yeah big from them so it is a lot like you because i'd do anything for you zach oh well Aww. thanks riley my heart well thanks riley you shouldn't but thanks Riley. <laughs> <laughs> okay cool uh so those are your starting moves uh we've already talked about your abilities fulfillment details playbooks all right uh that's everything then for our first two we have maya bright we have liam webb and we have Greg Woody Templeton. Greg Woody Templeton. How about we talk just a little bit more about uh, Greg Woody Templeton? Um, such as what are his playbooks, uh, maybe some details about him, his fulfillment criterion, and his abilities and starting moves. So, Woody Templeton, as we'll discuss later as to why I'm referring in that regard, is the fake and is a part of the Department of Mindbending. He's a real mind freak. Something like that. So the fake is not actually magical. They don't cast spells. They are what some might regard as the mystical, genuine academic. He's a stage musician. <laughs> Rude. We like to refer to it, <laughs> as we do in class, to the alternative tactics division. Mm, okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Alternative magic. It's clever. Tactics. We don't want to claim something oh. <laughs> that we don't have. You can't use the word magic. It's like it's like why you can't uh, use you can't spell crab with a C on certain K crab products because otherwise it's making an assumption there's actual crab in it. Correct. Yeah. So from that awareness, but also deception or mm -hmm. lack of specificity within the Department of Mind Bending, their expertise. Uh, at least in my sector, is more so in mind reading, mind control or suggestion, self-control, intellectual boost, mental illusions, and uh, just very powerful suggestive inclinations. Describe, well, well let, let's get more details. Let's get more details and then I'll ask some questions about your character real quick. But first, uh, so that's your name. What, what's your look? What's your classroom? What's your what's your vibe there? Sure. So let's go with look first. 
Um, I like that the manual provides an unblinking stare. <laughs> and uh, one thing that I've received as comments both in real life and uh, now in the game. There is definitely an attempt to be an academic with the look. However, it's kind of just, it's not all the way there. It's maybe a little half-hearted or mm-hmm. just, you know, that time of the year as the, the burnout becomes a thing. It just becomes more and more evident that we're going from a 50-50 split on business casual to more and more casual. So you're like vest on top, sweatpants on bottom? So we're looking at like a button collar down shirt with uh, jeans or we're looking at a pretty casual polo with khakis, slacks, something like that. And and Crocs. And as we get to that (laughs) ever so unbalanced phase, sweatpants and Crocs. Yeah, gotcha. The other important key here for um, our MC Mm -hmm. will be that as the burnout becomes more and more heavy upon my shoulders, my hairline continually recedes. And so it is like getting a fresh haircut to return to uh, zero or less burnout. And there is a distinguishably happier tone in my voice. Whereas the more burnout that occurs, the less good I sound and the less good I look. I mean, that's real right there. Thank you. It's almost like magic. Hmm. (laughs) Almost. So one of my go-to things that I say quite often is, when you are annoying, you stress me out. And when you stress me out, my hairline recedes. If that is your goal, please continue. If that is not your goal, take mercy on my hairline now. Along with that, I do enjoy some out-of-the-box socks, so (laughs) I hope to bring that characteristic in some way or another. Um, One of the best ones is these beige or tan socks with green toes, heels, and a um, whatever that would be, the very top band Mm -hmm. around the calf. And there are purple beets all over the socks, to which they say, Yeet or be yeeted. I love that. Thank you. I bought two pairs because one could not walk away with just one. It's true. I I just have this mental image now of your character, of being this otherwise mostly formally dressed man. His pants are just a little bit too short, so they're showing off his rather eccentric socks, and you can see the yeet or be yeet or be yote. I guess yeeted. It'd be yeet or be yeeted. Uh, just like you can see it through the holes in the, the mesh of the croc. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, okay. so that's something to look forward to, especially in the croc world. Um, one of the aesthetics that I'm still figuring out where the balance will be mm-hmm. is inspired from one of my favorite TV characters who was impersonating another character and for no legitimate reason whatsoever added a limp to his character okay therefore woody templeton will have a limp as well okay and sometimes it is just for dramatic fashion to extend his presence in the room while also trying to leave the room is is this a little bit because like he's he's a a fake magical academic 
but he's working in like sort of the the mind bending department. Is this like a something he keeps up to like as as like step one of his keeping people guessing or you're very intuitive. Yeah. This is in fact correct. Okay. So let us now go to the classroom. In the classroom, as the second step to keeping students on their toes, the next step of deception is using not your real name. What? <laughs> okay. But it wouldn't be quite right to publish things academically with a falsified name. Therefore, we step into it as just a dipping the big toe into the water, if you will, with mm-hmm. the middle name. Okay. You will not go by your first name. You will be referred to by your middle name. So you, you refer to all your students by their middle names as well? Correct. Okay. <laughs> this keeps me from butchering their first name. <laughs> but it doesn't stop you from butchering the middle name. I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay. The construction of the room is circular using, uh, as the manual suggested, a New Age meditation setup. So instead of chairs, we have pillows. Mm. And there is um, a variety of posters around the room or um, maybe just the, the quotes in frames as to various things that are suggestive to the mind about one's own willpower or one's own control of the mind and emphasizing the importance to that because while, as you have said, I have not said, the stage magician element of this, I take no personal responsibility for the deception you decide to bear for it is your mind that has accepted it, not mine. Oh, interesting. You aren't lying to them. They're just believing your falsehoods. (laughs) What a weasel. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the weasel should play some greater role. I feel like that is just a good word. I feel like my nickname for you would be Mr. Weasel. Because you kept saying different names and I don't know which one to call you. I feel like that's that's just such a good natural development. Uh, so, what's your fulfillment criterion? What what gets Woody up in the morning? Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I, love it. <laughs> I made it halfway through that, and I was like, "Wait, maybe don't." <laughs> I wondered how long that would take. <laughs> um. So it is the puppet master mm. for the department of mind bending which says regain one point of burnout whenever you make someone else solve one of your problems. And so that goes into the suggestive or um, persuasive influence leading to some type of easing of my workload or um, just pure exercise of talent and skill towards whatever be the objective. Okay. Awesome. Uh, How are you uh, allocating your abilities? So bureaucracy will be zero. Okay. Charisma will be one because I believe that um, there is a little bit of charm that comes with this. But at the same time, um, the plus two is reserved for research because the only thing truly keeping me 
instilled in the university is my role as an academic because I don't have that other thing that we have referred to before. Sorcery? Thank you. The word that shall not be said. <laughs> which you, is obviously... Me, you have your minus one in sorcery. <laughs> which is obviously a minus one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, what are your starting moves then? I, I believe you have a default move that you definitely have in addition to these three. Yes, so the fake takes um, not actually a wizard as a free bonus move. Mm-hmm. And that is when you roll plus sorcery for any reason, mark experience and the move misses. You can trigger the cast a spell move by trying to cast a spell or use magic, even though you're guaranteed to fail. This also only allows certain moves to be taken from department playbooks. Therefore, in the Department of Mindbending, the only thing available to the fake is Hypnosis or Charm Offensive. Oh, interesting. So basically, you can cast spells, but you will definitely fail, and as a result, you will gain experience. That Correct. Okay, cool. Oh, that's fun. Uh, And so then, what three playbook moves did you choose between your uh, role playbook and your department? So from the department since i am limited it will be charm offensive instead of rolling for schmooze you can choose to mark a burnout box and assume that you got a seven nine result Mm. and so that takes care of my department playbook in regards to the fake playbook there'll be two moves taken the first one being takes one to no one and this is when You study someone and ask, what are they hiding? Roll plus research on a 10 plus. You intuit something juicy about them that they'd rather you didn't know. And on a 7-9, you still get your information, but choose one of the following. The information you learn isn't juicy. It's kind of tame. Your study draws unwanted attention from authority. Or they notice your interest and realize that you're ferreting out their secrets. Mm, If someone doesn't have any more secrets for you to dig up, you learn that when you trigger this move. Okay. The second move will go alongside with the vision of this character with the just this side of plausible. When someone starts to wonder if you're really... Magical. Or not. (laughs) (laughs) Roll plus charisma. On a 10 plus, they reject any doubts out of hand. Of course, you can just cast spells. On a 7 plus, they're still mostly convinced, but they're either going to demand proof of your spell casting from you or start monitoring you closely for signs of being a fake. The MC decides which. Okay. This move triggers even when not present. Excellent. Okay. So, what was your first name again? Greg. Greg. So, we have Greg Woody Templeton. (laughs) Correct. We have Maya Bright. We have Leon. What was Leon's last name? No, Liam Webb. Liam. Damn. Liam Webb. This is what I get for not having name cards yet. (laughs) Um, Okay. Maya, Woody, and Liam. 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 Yeah. Liam. Liam. L-I-A-M. Yes. 
Yes, Liam, 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 Liam. All right. Okay. Uh, so then what we have left to do with our, our setup is there are some questions on your playbook. Uh, each playbook, both your role and your department, will have some. You need to pick two from one of them and one from the other, same as with your moves. So uh, pick uh, three questions in total between the two playbooks um, that you would like to answer, and then we will answer those. We'll do in the same order we introduce our characters. Let's go Maya. Yeah, I can answer these. Uh, my questions. Who recognized a body in your lab, and do they have any connection to it? Uh, <laughs> the headmaster of my department knew a uh, former groundskeeper that I had been working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he decided to enlighten me on all of the details of his history. Like, all, all the details. Mm-hmm. And I had nothing else to do but listen because I was stuck in my lab. And ever since then, he comes in every so often and does the same thing with another body. Just, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Or, oh, let me tell you, that was a, a real rowdy one when he was drunk. Stuff like that. They're the kind of person who just knows people as well? Yeah. Okay. He knows pretty much everybody. It's, it's crazy. Uh, okay. What else? What other questions? My second question is, who is trying to ride your coattails? Uh, the dean themselves is riding my coattails. Interesting. Um, I was hand-selected by them to come to this university, mostly for research aspects. Mm. And they are taking a lot of the credit that I write, but I'm so busy with my research that I hardly have any time to worry about it. They're like using it as a big selling feature for like... We've published this many papers in this many categories. And my name may or may not be in the credits yeah. or even mentioned in the article. Okay. Very good. But I have so many other things to do, I mm-hmm. hardly notice it. Okay. And one more question. My last question is, what irresponsible thing have you done with the undergrads? Um, usually every year, I host a, a dancing skeleton party. Mm. Uh, it is part of the curriculum, technically, because, you know, necromancy, raise the dead, and that includes bones. It doesn't have to have skin on it. Mm-hmm. And so I test all my students' abilities by them raising a skeleton each and making them uh, do choreography together. <laughs> you- <laughs> yes, to spooky, scary skeletons. Okay. I was going to say, the roof may not be dead, but you will raise it. Oh, yeah. We're here to raise the roof, baby. Oh, yeah. I love that. Okay. No, I love that. That is admittedly not terribly responsible. (laughs) It's educational. Yeah, it's educational. And it's to test their skills. That's right. That's my excuse. (laughs) That's what you told the department. hosting a party because I want to have fun. Oh, yeah. Love that. What about your role and department questions, Zach? What are, let's answer some of those. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to steal all three of my questions from the department because I like all three of them. Uh, from, uh, technically, that's out I of the that. rules, but oh, I don't care. Okay. I well, don't. I, I don't mind. I mean, I feel like, so. You feel okay? Okay, cool. Well, thank you for letting follow, me break follow the your, rules. Follow your dreams, harbinger yeah, of chaos. We gotta. We've been we've been two by the books this time. We gotta break the rules a little bit. Yeah, answer your three questions from the department. Yeah, hit, okay. hit us up. What are those questions? Sounds good. Okay, cool. So first, who used to own one of your foci, and what were they using it for? Um, so the dagger, which mm-hmm. bears runes, ancient runes, and which is sheathed in a sheath of leather matching the book, 
um, used to be owned by Christopher Lee. And Christopher Lee just happened to will it to Leah Webb. So when Christopher Lee passed, it was passed on to him. Christopher Lee had used it to stab Nazis in the back. And that's that's the first question. Uh, which so very it's a blessed dagger. Yeah, right? Uh, so which very important... <laughs> I'm sorry. Book? Okay, sorry. Wait, no, 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 no. Okay. no we're not moving from this. <laughs> we're not moving on? Uh, Are you talking about Sir Christopher Frank Caradini Lee? Correct. As in, as in Saruman? Correct. As in accomplished actor and apparently also British Army officer? Correct. I am learning from Google. Who stabbed Nazis in the back and who... When the director of the Lord of the Rings tried to like tell him what it sounded like to be stabbed in the back, he turned to the director and said, no, I have stabbed Nazis in the back, paraphrasing here, I know what it sounds like. And the director politely stepped back and let him do his thing. I don't know what, whether, I don't know whether this is true or not, but one of the top things for searching Christopher Lee on, on Google is... Is James Bond based on Christopher Lee? Mm-hmm. And the answer is Ian Fleming, the author of the James Bond stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, coincidentally, Lee's step cousin has admitted that Lee's days as a spy are what inspired him to create the super spy James Bond. Yep. Yeah. What? Yeah, Sir Christopher Lee was an absolute badass. What? I didn't realize y'all <laughs> didn't know this. I thought everybody. No. Oh my goodness. So y'all go look up Christopher Lee right now. Go down the Wikipedia rabbit hole. It's great. Okay. So you received a talking dagger from in the will of Christopher Lee. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Carry yes. on. Okay. On. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. Moving on. Uh, question two. Which very important relic has gone missing from the department stores? And why is that bad? They have lost the sarcophagus of King Tut. Again. <laughs> <laughs> It is bad because, well, have you seen the movie The Mummy? Mm-hmm. And I'll leave it at that. Question three. What did you bring back from the last dig you were on? The glasses that I wear that I do not need um, because they match the sword and the book and I'm accessorizing. And also they talk to each other. It's very annoying, but I figure they're probably connected somehow. And I'm worried that they will curse me if I split them up again. So I fear them. Do you just wear the frames? Like, did you pop out the lens or are the lenses intact? No, no, I wouldn't dare do any damage to these things. They all speak. They're sentient. I'm terrified of them. I'm going to I'm going to say now that the the glasses are somehow your prescription. But Liam you don't need glasses. Liam exactly. doesn't need. So they're just. OK. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. They're a good fit. All right. We'll say. Okay. Okay. Do you still have one more question or is that all your questions? That is all three questions. Okay. 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 Uh, Dempsey, let's talk about your three questions real quick. So the first question from the fake is, what are you even doing at Pig Smoke? (laughs) I'm very curious about this myself. I'm also very curious. In the words of, the great Ron Swanson. I am willing to journey deeper into the belly of the beast if it means that I can slash it from within. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. 
So there's definitely some psychology here, um, some interdisciplinary like thinking and just what's the word thinking about thinking? Uh, Contemplating? Metacognition? Probably. Is thinking about thinking? Yeah. So there's some deep metacognition of challenging the assumptions and belief systems of both students at this university who have selected to slave away and spend thousands and thousands of dollars while also irritating my soul, as well as the fellow faculty members that are there in their own habitual irritances and various choices. You do you not believe in magic? What? In a young girl's heart. <laughs> does does Woody is he here to disprove magic? I wouldn't say disprove magic, but I would say oh nope. Um I wouldn't say disprove the word that you said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I've decided on this, but I have. Yeah, it's okay. I wouldn't say disprove that word. However, I would say that there are an increasing number of faithfully blind followers of teaching that Woody seeks to question and interrogate and challenge to the point of genuine belief or genuine rejection as opposed to passive acceptance that the studi body seems to blindly be walking around with. So basically, you want to make students think for their their damn selves. Yes, and if they don't, they will be my victims. Anti-disestablishmentarianism. <laughs> 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 okay, okay. What's your next question? The second question comes from the Department of Mindbending, which is, who is convinced you're constantly adjusting their perceptions, and are you actually? This would happen to be my teaching assistant, mm-hmm. Burton. Oh, you two both have to. Okay, we'll we'll come back to your teaching assistants. Let's do these questions, unless it really pertains to them. But well, Burton, yeah, is the one that is constantly convinced that I am trying to adjust their perception, and to the extent of making them think for themselves in a graduate sense. Whereas there is going to be a variety of undergraduate classes such as the alternative tactics class or the Trojan horse morphology or the (laughs) appealing rhetorics. There is a graduate application to Burton that he is aware of, but not nearly as sinister as he might be believing or um, anticipating. Then the third one comes from the fake who knows your secret and why don't they tell? That comes from the fact that the department grants good old Woody Mm -hmm. one of the following things, which in this case is a very good therapist, immune (laughs) to or protected from mind-bending magic. Thank you. Yeah. And so the therapist is prevented from telling people because of the wonderful thing, what's the... Uh, Doctor-patient confidentiality? You are a glorious human being. (laughs) 
And so with that doctor-patient confidentiality, there's this love-hate relationship of back-and-forthisms of their job is to help me in restoring my hairline, aka helping my burnout markers go away, but also they don't necessarily feel that my day-to-day activities or academic life mission is particularly ethical. Maybe not that it is truly bad or evil or malicious, but that in my conquest to make people question their own thinking, they are constantly making me question my own thinking. Oh, interesting. So your therapist is just really uh, the person who challenges you. Yes, but also in a way that I am not looking for, in a way that I am looking for the here is um, where I need therapeutic help. And they say, okay, but let's also take a look at this. And I say, that's that's not relevant today. That has absolutely nothing to do with why I'm here. And they give you that knowing look. And, and they say, yeah, but we've got time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, is that your last question or do you have one more? Yes, that is all three. Okay, cool. Um, so then let's move on. We have two more things to cover. One is going to be each of you are going to tell us a true statement about your department. Uh, this is just establishing a little bit of world building around it. Um, and then uh, we're going to collectively describe the dean, uh, which I'm very excited for. But first, let's talk about your department. Uh, Riley, what is one true thing? Uh, Maya, what's one true thing about your department? The one true thing about my department. Uh-huh is the headmaster is Skeletor from He-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh, okay. Uh, is, and this is the same, this is the, like, the head of your department is also the person who came and talked to you about those dead bodies. Yes, Skeletor's been around a while. Okay. I will listen to some He-Man and make my best Skeletor impression, it sounds like. Or I could do it. I mean, yeah, that's true. It's up to you, man. We'll see what it goes. But yeah, he's he's still like that weird blue color, mm-hmm. uh, and he's got that uh, barren skull face. Okay, question. This is because this needs to be established now. Uh, have you seen Into the Spider Verse? Yes, I saw a little bit of it. Okay, you've seen it. So I use this as context because in universe. The Spider-Man of Miles Morales' universe before he becomes Spider-Man, like, there are comics based around him and stuff. And, like, he is the person that that, that those in our world, these f- fictional comics, are based off of, right? Uh, and, in, and in his universe, they also exist, but they're just about him. It's, like, you know, based on a true story sort of situation, right? Um, is that... Is that how this works? Uh, my Skeletor is displaced from his original universe. Excellent. Okay. So in this universe, nobody has heard of Skeletor, the character before. They might have met Skeletor, the department head, though. Correct. Excellent. Okay. This is good. This is this is good. He still has strange dreams about that <laughs> universe, of which he can't quite place, because uh, as he gets older, the further the memory gets. Mm-hmm. And so now he's dedicated himself to being the head of my department and just kind of having fun. He really likes the skeleton parties. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's the other reason you get away with them. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because I just invite the headmaster. I love this. And 
those with the Mayo card also got their David. Oh, this is good. Yeah, this is good. Check yeah, on. I know. <laughs> okay. That's my my tell. Yeah. Uh, I got a bingo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zach, what is one true thing about uh, Liam's department? So the department head disappeared on a dig a very long time ago. But the department bylaws prohibit the appointment of another chair without the direct nomination from the current chair. The department bylaws prohibit changes to the bylaws without endorsement by the current department chair. So <laughs> for years, we have just piled everything administrative onto a non-existent department chair that may or may not be dead slash undead slash disappeared. Um, and yeah, it's our department. Okay. I love that. Uh, MC, one true thing about your department. So tell me if I'm not reaching for enough here, both mm -hmm. to the cast and to the MC. But for whatever reason, the true thing about the mind-bending department that I'm thinking of is during orientation weekend or um, celebrations or like campus events, the table for the Department of Mind-Bending has things that are genuine things and other things that are illusionary representation of those things. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of the social media cake videos mm -hmm. of, is this a pencil or is it cake? Mm -hmm. <laughs> is this a calculator or is it cake? Mm -hmm. And those are the things that are given away. And so people don't know if they're walking away with a genuine <laughs> yeah. item and a little plastic uh, <laughs> Tupperware type uh, case or if they are walking away with a delicious cake. And part of that just goes into the giant question mark that is the department because maybe, maybe one of the other things to include here is that mind bending is not particularly enjoyable. It is an accepted, self-inflicted suffering and with that enrollment of the department has not been particularly strong and so one of the things we're trying to do is make that inflicted suffering sound just a little bit more fun like having calculator cake <laughs> <laughs> i imagine you guys have a very high transfer out rate Caculus. <laughs> i think i think there are people who <laughs> cake caculus <laughs> that's good i like that uh, i imagine there's a lot of people who like don't see the value in it after they've been in it a while or that like it's so exhausting dealing with all of the mind games that the faculty play with them that they just don't stick around. That's fun. I like that. Uh, so those are just a few details about our departments, helping to flesh out our world and setting just a little bit more. Um, now we're going to talk about perhaps the most important figure at Pig Smoke, as they are the director of all things with the university. They are the tip top of the bureaucracy that guides the course of all of the university actions, whether it be directly or indirectly. And that is the Dean. Uh, and as a group, we are going to answer the Dean questions, which are found on page 79. I'm going to go there real quick. All right. The Dean. First, I will read briefly from the book. The Dean is Pigsmoke's almighty leader, the driver behind the university's every scheme, the Casa Casans that brings education, or a reasonable facsimile thereof, into being. The dean's word is written to law by the dean's office and enforced by Pigsmoke's constructs of lead and bronze. 
So the traits that we have, and so we're going to go around and everyone's going to answer one of these. Uh, or we might do it, we might actually do this a little bit collaboratively. Seeing as we're going to do a one-shot here, it's better if everybody kind of has all of their input up front. But the things we're going to answer are the dean's name is, the dean's nature is, the dean cares about, the dean wants, the dean's vision for pig smoke is, and the dean cannot resist blank. So let's start. Actually, I kind, of, I kind of think we should do name last. It has that first in the order, but I feel like a name encapsulates something. So him or her or them or whatever. Let's name the dean once we know more about them. Uh, so let's start with the dean's nature is. Um, some of the pre-populated ones that they have as options are a decent person trying to do a hard job, an awful person outsourcing life's difficulties to you, or a mysterious person whose demands are cryptic and hint at a greater pattern. Or we could do something else entirely. What are everyone's thoughts? Uh, my thoughts in particular are like a a shrewd, that uh, that third one, mysterious demands that are cryptic. Mm-hmm. And he won't give you the whole story, but he'll spin it to make you think that you want to as well. I like that idea. Kind of like Shinji's dad from Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> a good example. I, uh, Zach, what do you think? I will I will defer to I I think Riley's is really good. Part of me really wants this dean to basically be the dean from community who is more of option <laughs> one. Uh just because I have a really hard time taking anything seriously. Um and mm-hmm. that meshes a little better in my brain. But um I think the second one like what what Riley was saying makes a lot of sense. So this is a big one for me. Um, we could either go into normal men, man, who or, or normal woman, woman or what? Like somebody who is just a person, just, 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 just a human doing human things. Or we could do some fifth dimensional entity that is just a human air quotes <laughs> doing human things. <laughs> Uh, and I know that I would, I would have a lot of fun with the second if people are interested in that, but whatever you have fun with, we have fun with. That's fair. I, I, I do feel like if it was a quote unquote human doing human things, yes. it would play so much more comedic with the department of illusions <laughs> and, and mind bending. Yeah. Cause it's like, then the, the greater scope is, is the Dean really the Dean and <laughs> have this magic that we cannot speak of (laughs) Mm. yes yes okay well let's let's elaborate on this so let's let's say we're somewhere close to a mysterious person whose demands are cryptic and hinted a greater pattern we're more in line with that area um i actually want to go to no let's just do cares about next so the dean cares about the reputation of the school rules and regulations the well-being of the student body or nothing but themselves um, other, again, other things are also available, but that's the ones that it pre-populates. I'm on the, I'm on the road of reputation because of mm. uh, how uh, hardened they would be mm. with, with what we have so far. That makes a lot of sense because the, like they would be using the institution to survive, right? Like that's their, mm-hmm. their if yeah, if they're like this fifth dimensional parasite or whatnot. Like yeah, mm-hmm. um, building on 
that my brain went to the well-being of the student body, thinking like a parasite feeding on a body kind of thing. Oh, interesting. Uh, but a different no, kind of well-being. Yeah, but reputation of the school makes makes sense without going into like a werewolf kind of situation. I think the other valuable thing that David can uh, flush out if he goes this direction is whose perception of reputation do we care about? Because the perception of the school to incoming students is very different from Mm. the reputation of the school to this outer space fifth dimension that the dean is trying to further impress as Mm -hmm. um, not nearly as worried about the traditional sense of a school's reputation like we would for a real university. I also see a lot of value in rules and regulations for that reason. It's like maybe in almost like a fae sort of way mm. where where like upholding the established order of the university for the sake of upholding the established order, like rules for the sake of having rules um, could be kind of interesting as well. Maybe to appease the beings from that fifth dimension who are the legislature, mm-hmm. of course. And yeah, I kind of. I definitely think like the reputation will play some sort of factor. I like the idea that like there is an outward facing like the school, something precedes it, right? Something is known about it and maybe making a particular thing known to particular groups, whatever those might be, might be a part of the dean. I think that's kind of cool. In that vein, the dean wants is the next one. Uh, The dean wants to lord it over their rival, the dean of glory staff college to transform pig smoke in some sweeping way to make the students or some subset of them worthy or a quiet life. I do kind of like the idea of being tormented by this fifth dimension or um, other supernatural beings that um, the only way to retire or to exit pig smoke is into this quiet life by maintaining the school's reputation. Interesting. So like those, those who do their duty are the only ones who get to leave, basically. Oh, I'm thinking now of uh, there is a specific kind of waiver you sign when you uh, put in your application. And it's basically like you can't sue the school if anything happens to you kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, because there is actually a mortality rate and what they say is due to the high concentration of magic uh, you're never 100% safe, and it's it's all about yeah. how you wield it. So, like, if you die, that's on you. We will mourn the loss. But then they go around and publish their graduation rates, and the graduation rate's really high because the ones that don't graduate are dead. Mm. And so they can get higher statistics for that. Interesting. Huh. And I think there's something worth noting there that we're all fighting against burnout. Therefore the dean fighting against burnout or failure is also a understandable narrative. They could take it out on us. Okay, so hear me out. If the dean is some sort of, you know, extra extra dimensional being impression on this reality, uh, they could be in a, a rivalry with another being that has done the same thing and is now the dean of Glory Staff College. And they're trying to outdo them. Uh, and as for as an example, there's like the King in Yellow, which is a Lovecraftian 
god, elder god, uh, who like specifically tries to steal cultists from other gods uh, and like bring them to their cause instead. And so like there could be this rivalry with the Dean of Glory Staff College for like enrollment and uh, and graduation rates and all that stuff. I like that. I I really like the idea of a rivalry. I'm partial to the idea of like our Dean, this extra dimensional, terrible being, being in a rivalry with some dude named Brad. (laughs) <laughs> who, just some random oh, like dude <laughs> who somehow became the dean of this rival school and brad beat out our uh fifth dimensional being of a dean uh way back in like high school for valedictorian they have been like <laughs> existential oh, rivals ever since this is thank you okay thank you for that detail that's how it is okay. i love that All right. so much uh, the Dean's vision for pig smoke is something wildly unrealistic, even at America's foremost school of sorcery, to make it a bastion of excellent teaching, to make it a bastion of cutting edge research, that it runs itself while they do their own thing. I think in line with that previous one, I think that they, I, I would almost push for the Dean's vision for pig smoke is that they excel at everything above all other institutions. Like, and now I have this image of a dean who wants who wants to be in charge of the best school. You just described every dean. I I I know, but like maybe that's what like they are the dean. They are like the quintessential. So what if they are so laser focused on Brad that like everything is just like being better than Brad's institution? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's literally just vision for pig smoke is better than glory staff college in every measurable way <laughs> and i think with that like this is where david gets to have a ton of fun yeah is there's news clippings there's online articles there's social media posts and hashtags and all sorts of other um, publications that obviously happen for mm-hmm. any institution yeah and Instead of reading anything at all about Pig Smoke's publications, so the great stunning reviews that our faculty members have for their research, it becomes a question of how are you doing better than faculty member ABC from this other (laughs) university? Because I read this article about them and Brad is just gushing about it on his Facebook post and then... (laughs) (laughs) The dean's own faculty have to explain, here's the research that I've done, which he should already be aware of, but instead he's like blindly signing off on all these things related to his own university because he's that focused on spending his time studying the other university and becomes more or less a blind spot or the thing that makes it actually unique to the university's vision differentiating pig smoke. Okay. I I like that's I like the idea that it just keeps going deeper, right? I like the idea that like maybe somebody wrote an article about like, oh man, like how they arranged the flowers in the quad at Glory Staff College is like really beautiful. And and the dean's just like, rip up the quad. Like we got <laughs> we gotta make we're adding a fountain, like <laughs> in in every measurable, incredibly petty way. Yes. They have to be better. May I also add that yeah. the dean's cologne smells like bacon? <laughs> sure. 
because pig smoke. Oh, amen. Amen. I love that. I like that. Because he says, what's better than bacon? So he wears it as a cologne. That's so good. I'm here for it. And so cursed. Oh, the I I love how this Dean is emerging. Okay. Well, I think the Uh, next option is obvious. For the Dean cannot resist. Uh, Gambling promises a fight making cryptic decrees and pronouncements which must be obeyed. Silver and holy water. Uh, I love how silver and holy water is just tacked on to the end. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely for the second to last option myself. But I just love yeah that makes ridiculous the more sense from yeah. all that we've said. Uh, I feel like sort of that and like a fight, but not a physical fight. Fight, fight. fight. It's fight. It's like fight, fight. Competition. I would say the dean cannot resist competition. They, not, yeah, they cannot. cannot. They have to rise to the challenge. They cannot back down. Mm, true. I definitely think they're the kind who view their position as being absolute. And so I definitely agree with them making cryptic decrees and pronouncements, which must be obeyed. But some of them I don't think are cryptic. I think some of them are like, we need to replace all of the water fountains with (laughs) these new ones that you can refill your water bottles from and also drink from at the same time. I just can't believe that they have those (laughs) at at Glory. Was it Glory Staff? Yeah. At Glory Staff College. And we don't. And this guy was talking about it. On, on a fucking Craigslist ad in the comments, and <laughs> I can't stand it. <laughs> what I ended up writing down from what you were talking about is they cannot resist competition or a chance to flaunt their power and prestige. Yes. Is that about right? I think that's perfect. They have to, they have to try to be on top. And it's worth saying, like, I think a lot of the time they fail. Like, I think a lot of the time pig smoke, like, or making these changes just produces Trying to another overcompensate for something they didn't have like a second ago. Yes. It's it, trying to fix problems that they never had yeah. uh, and then thereby not fixing at all the problems they actually have. And creating more problems. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So then we've established a lot of information about this dean. What is the dean's name? Uh, the, the base options are Dr. Adam or Eve Kowalski, Smith, just Smith, <laughs> Jaffiel, or unpronounceable in mortal tongues, but we call it the dean. So, um, I have a few suggestions. Yes. I had a little bit of fun with this. Yes. So I just took like different, uh, like magic book authors or mm-hmm. magicians names mm-hmm. and I changed a few letters around. So like my favorite one is instead of calling them Mary Shelley, it's Joseph Conch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got J.K. Rowling as heyday trolling. <laughs> I just, I had a little bit of fun. Any others? Or uh, David Copperfield as Goldie Blunderstone. <laughs> like Goldie Blunderstone. <laughs> I'm singing Buford. I've got Buford. Uh, Doug Henning, who is actually uh, uh, into resurrection magic, as Barry Fowler. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I just think it's really funny to call him Barry. I, okay. I actually really like Barry Fowler. Yeah. Because it's it's very mundane. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a real name. Uh. I'm sure it is, someone. But like, it's, it sounds like a fake real name, right? Yeah, the, the, the last one I had was instead of Stephanie Meyer, it's Bethany Briggs. Ever the Myers Briggs. I like that. <laughs> so good. 
<clears throat> I think since we're since we're turning uh the dean into kind of a sham overwrought uh like self-centered character, I would rather go with a male character just because mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. I think that's yeah, I just feel like that's if we're gonna paint them in that light, better. that's the way I wanna go. Yeah. yeah. The the random one I picked up in case he was gonna be like a like the only dark character uh-huh. was like Dimitri Voidseer. Oh. Or maybe that's his online name. <laughs> that's his handle. Well, I was just thinking that maybe his actual name, because like how, like whatever poor soul he overwrote with his existence at a young age, uh, like I think maybe he has some mundane name, but like now in his quest to to be recognized and to be known for more, like I wonder if they've changed their name into something kind of ridiculous. Like a Chinibio. Yeah, exactly. Like something over the top, something powerful, something authoritative. Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, that's fun. I mean, Theodore's a pretty awesome name. Theodore's a pretty great name. Uh, I don't know. What does everybody think? Douglas Chariot. I feel like if we're going the extra dimensional element there should be some type of pseudo assimilation to Mm -hmm. a great american name a great leader or being that they look to as almost a oh so this is like sort of a ford prefect situation with uh, hitchhiker's guide where he names himself after the car because he thinks it's the dominant life form on earth yes so he names himself after something that he views as like the highest of class or or all the more reason for me to read that book yeah uh oh i I really like this okay then what is in the eyes of this fourth dimensional being we've been describing what is the ultimate being or person or thing so what is the name of the president in the movie Independence Day? Uh Thomas Whitmore. That sounds very deany. It does. I mean, I don't want to invalidate Riley's excellent suggestions. They could all be different handles that he uses online in like chat forums. <laughs> I definitely like the 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 chat forum one that was the edgelord. <laughs> <laughs> what retrieval? What if he what if he like has multiple names that he goes by? I think that could get too confusing. That could get very confusing. Yeah, never mind. Thomas Whitmore is very good. I kind of dig it. Yeah. I think okay, I then I think he sees this this movie as a as a air quotes child uh and is like, "Ah, this is the supreme being on this planet." I I should become like they were able to to push back this entire alien invasion. They command legions of these fighter jets. Yes, I shall become Thomas Whitmore. Um and yeah, Dean Thomas Whitmore. Let's do it. Hell yeah. I like it. All right. So we've established our dean, our our fourth dimensional creature imposing themselves in this domain. Seeking to lord it over their rival, the Dean of Glory Staff College, Brad. What's Brad's <laughs> last name? Flanagan. 
Brad Flanagan. Excellent. Dinkelberg. Dinkelberg. <laughs> Flanagan. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, I'm digging this. This is really fun. Uh, yeah, I think we're all set up. Uh, Minus one critical detail that you have overlooked. Oh, yeah? What's that? The teaching assistant. Oh, yeah. You two have teaching assistants. Who are these creatures? Tell me more about them. Wow, I would love to. I don't know which one I have, though. Well, let's talk I about need, it. I need some input. Okay, let's hear. So I have two different things that it could be. Um, one of them is my very first successful necromancy, mm. and it happens to be a cat mm. um, made up of bits of other cats around the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's very much like a a, a little, messy stitch together. Yeah, little pat- patchwork kitten. Yeah, a little patchwork. That's a, such a sweet name. I should name him Patchwork. I like that. But I named him Butterscotch. Okay. I like that too. <laughs> um, this so is the kind of Butterscotch you don't want to put in your mouth though. Yes, exactly. So it was either Butterscotch, the the undead cat, or a butler that I have in my house. And his name is Peppermint. He can't form very many words except for the word sir. So he'll grumble a lot and then add sir to the end. And I think it's really cute. <laughs> but which one would be a better TA? I don't know. Which one would be a better TA? I feel like the cat's way more intelligent because I've spent a lot more time on him. Mm-hmm. But oh, like, oh. am I allowed to have a TA that's just a cat? Yeah. I'm as long, so long as they can talk and or be understood in some other way. They don't have to be able to talk. They can as long as they can convey ideas to the students. Okay. Yeah, that works. Right, well, how does the cat does the cat just talk? Like did you do you just have human vocal cords in Uh the cat he has more uh te- a telepathy voice rather than a vocal voice. Oh, interesting. Mm. Professor X the cat. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Butterscotch. We'll we'll work out a voice for the cat that both of us can do for, fairly well and That'll be the cat then. Okay. 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 So then, uh, Dempsey, for for you, as previously mentioned, the teaching assistant is Burton. Burton is a student furthering his studies in medicinal applications of magic. Thank you, Zach. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Furthering his applications of medicinal magic and is working his way out of his field of expertise, but is not particularly enthused to be with the Department of Mindkeeping. But uh, a couple of favors were called in, a couple of hint, hints, nudge, nudge. This would be a good fit for you. It's maybe not the greatest fit. It is tolerable, but uh, can definitely be tense at times as the insistence of applying psychology or metacognitive coursework is questioned frequently with, when am I ever going to use this in my life? So are they like a graduate student that wanted to do some like medical applications research, but this is the gig they got? I'm back and forth on that, but more or less, yes. Okay. I mean, we can always flush them out a little bit more once we get to the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking that there's there's a little bit of a twist to that, but 
I think saying yes to that doesn't take away too much. But the two of you have a bit of a tense relationship then. And and maybe not so much tense in that um, it's ill-willed, mm-hmm. but that it is just uh, maybe a lack of understanding one another mm-hmm. or a frustration of what is the value of this. Okay. The dramatical sciences. Correct. (laughs) So, in preparing for today's meeting, I forgot that I do have a teaching assistant, which is actually very fitting because I want my teaching assistant to be the one person on this campus that I have not met and whom I do not know. They have a very high teaching score. They can do like good teaching stuff. Um, And they cover for me because I rarely am present to do my job. So that's my TA. I do not know their name. (laughs) (laughs) You know that you have them. You know they have a good score. You've never met them. You probably never will. Correct. I hired them. I did the HR paperwork at one point. I don't remember who they are. I've never met them. Okay. Okay, I like this. Boy, we got a weird group, huh? Uh, I'm really excited to prep for this game. Uh, we're going to be playing it in just a couple of weeks. And uh, Emma's actually going to be uh, talking with me after. I'm going to edit this and we're going to listen to it together. And we're going we're gonna to write up some fun stuff for this one. Nice. Uh, so I'm very excited to play. Uh, is there any other details that we need to add? Yeah, I will say one other detail I'll add for this game is that um, this is probably going to take place uh, in game over the course of weeks or months. Uh, A lot of our games take place in the span of a few days, sometimes even just like less than a day in game time. Um, But because of the way that some of the moves in this work, um, it's probably going to be a little bit more spread out over the course, maybe even of an entire semester. We'll see how Emma and I scale the project when we start it. But is it important to establish our current tenure at the university? Um, how long have you been working here? I don't think any of you have tenure yet, but like you have experience here. I feel like I at least have a couple of years. Okay. So you've been working here for a few years. Um, how about Woody? What is tenure usually? Is that seven years? At tenure is both time and other metrics. So would I be out of line to say four? No, I think it's fine. As long as you don't have tenure yet. And you won't you won't get it in the course of the game because that's probably not going to happen unless it's like a weird special grant or something. Right. So I, I'm I'm leaning towards four. Okay. Sorry, I use the word tenure in a different sense. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zach, how about Liam? Uh, Liam has been with the university for five years now. Well, he's coming up on his five year anniversary, mm-hmm. and he should have applied for tenure by now, but he forgot. Um, <laughs> so. He's just kind of going. Okay. You're only there like half the time anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You don't dig so much. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'm excited to play this all with you. Thank you so much for joining me here today to set up for this game. Yay. And I look forward to when we will play it very soon. Me yeah. too. Huzzah. Yeah. What? What? <laughs> all right. Later. Bye.
the Appalachia region, where Pokemon trainers prove they're true champs in the making. And then you got Team Dupan. You want to name us Team Bread? I love bread. Well, I've got nothing better. An emptiness dad. What does girl stuff mean? <laughs> I am a dad. I wasn't prepared for this. An aspiring evil genius. <laughs> Please tell me she makes the mouth noises. Oh, of course she does. A foreign fashionista. You're about to go into a literal death trap. And what's a literal death trap without a little revolution? New Pokemon. Baby! He's a fighter. You will love me. New dangers. Only the strong survive. That is the way of the cult of Nuzlocke. All faced by new heroes. There is no ethical consumption under capitalism! And she grabbed it and ran. Uh, this is how we solve the puzzle. We hit him <gasps> with a thing. So we either are putting him to sleep or putting, putting, putting him, him to sleep. sleep. Yeah. You don't know my struggle! <laughs> this guy sounds like a little bitch. <laughs> PKMN Legacy, an actual play tabletop podcast. Watch or listen to it on YouTube or wherever you find your podcasts. I don't know, it's your life.